أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته How's everybody doing today? It's good. I'm really excited. Alhamdulillah. How about you guys? Yes. Okay. Inshallah. the first question that comes to mind is why Surah Al-Qiyamah, right? Why not Surah Al-Rahman? Why not some other nice surah, a positive surah? I'm sure this is one of the big questions in your minds. I'm sure many people didn't come because of this reason. It's just too negative, it seems scary, depressed. It's such a serious topic. But honestly, that's one of the reasons I chose this topic. There's a lot of misconceptions about the surah. And the name of the surah itself actually makes you think that it's a scary surah. The Day of Judgment has been... Al-Asaf has been passed down to us, مورث يعني, we've been inherited this negative idea about the Day of Judgment. ولذلك, the first thing that comes to mind is terror and horror and grief and panic. صح? كل هاي scary scenes that come to mind. But that's not the case. There's, there's so many positive things about the Day of Judgment for the good people, inshallah. For that's one of the things that inshallah I'll highlight today. In, in our talk The other thing is Let's be honest Surah Al-Qiyamah is part of the Qur'an And يعني, The Qur'an Kalam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala These are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Our creator And this book is A perfect book But for us to censor out One entire surah of the Qur'an And only talk about the good things Is doing injustice to the book Don't you agree? Yes So to be fair Let's listen to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to say about the surah. I'm, I'm not going to be talking much today. What I'm going to try to do, and inshallah may Allah help me, I'm going to try to let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala converse with all of us today. So I'm, we're going to go one ayah by one ayah, ayah by ayah, 40 ayat today. Inshallah will be done by 9.30, so I want your full attention. Keep your phones on airplane mode. Don't give me time, give Allah your time. Ooh, is two hours too much to ask? Honestly, is it too much to ask? Yeah. Well, for many of you, maybe this is the first time you attend a, a dars or a lecture about the Qur'an. Fa, yeah, just, just give it two hours of your life, inshallah, and let's see how things go. Okay? And if you start feeling sleepy, stand up and walk around. Okay? Then this will give me a signal that I need to change things up or maybe you know, uh, do some breathing exercises to make things a bit more interesting, inshallah. So let's start, bidnillah. A little introduction about the surah. Why this surah? I already told you. You know, this is one of those surahs that are very rarely talked about. Yani Alatan Surah Rahman, Surah Al Fatiha, these positive surahs are talked about more. This surah is kind of like hidden under the rug. And I feel that's injustice. I've been wanting to do, to do this surah for a long, long time. Well, primarily, this surah talks about, or it talks to people who, number one, don't believe in the Day of Judgment. Okay, number two, people who kind of believe in the Day of Judgment, but they don't really live by that ideology, or people who are extremely terrified of this day, and you know they have a wrong idea about this day. Okay, so it's, it's clarifying a lot of misconception. At the same time, it is inshallah going to help you understand the wisdom that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has put into putting the surah into the Quran. So. 
just to focus on the Quran in general. Quran is made up of two types of surahs. Who can tell me? Two themes of surahs in the Quran. Mecca and Madani. The ones that were revealed in Mecca, which was how many years? Who can tell me? 13 years in Mecca. Okay? And then how many years in Medina? About 10 years. Total of 23 years. This was the message of the Prophet. But 13 years in Mecca, and primarily the main topic of Mecca was three things. Number one, belief in Allah. All the, all the suwar that were revealed in the Meccan period talked about either belief in Allah or belief in the message, which includes the books, the angels, the prophets, okay? All of this. And the third aspect that these surahs talk about in the Meccan period, who can guess? Afterlife. The concept of an afterlife. The concept of, you know, the day of judgment. A second life that's going to come either in, in paradise or hellfire. Okay? But these were the three primary discussions of the whole entire Meccan period. Makanfi, any discussion in the first 13 years of the message, there is no discussion about hijab, no discussion about you know, interest and usury, no discussion about inheritance, no discussion about alcohol, not, nothing. This all happened 13 years plus down the road. But these, these were the foundations of iman or belief. This is what the Prophet ﷺ focused on. Okay? And you know, my humble opinion is that we as Muslims, we kind of need to go back to the basics. Do you all agree or no? We need to stop talking about advanced issues that are of less priority and let's focus on the foundation. Where's the problem? The problem is in the foundation, right? Our roots are messed up. And therefore you have crazy people who are doing crazy things in the name of Islam. Right? And associating it to Islam and, and yani, destroying everything for everybody. So we need to go back to the basic and see what methodology the Prophet ﷺ used. And this is exactly the methodology that I, what we're doing today. This is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ did in a small house called Darul Arqam in Mecca. The people used to gather and they used to listen to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet ﷺ would teach them what these words meant. Alhamdulillah, I ask Allah to inshallah, put barakah in this gathering and yani, you, I don't know if you know this but there's angels I don't know how many but there are angels surrounding us at this moment This is a guaranteed hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Angels are surrounding us, inshallah by the end of the talk you're going to feel a sense of tranquility and peace in your heart All of our sins, inshallah, will be completely forgiven These are all some of the perks that come with such gatherings Inshallah, okay Fa- we all know that there's topic of Qiyamah and Akhirah and the grave and the punishments of the grave. These are all kind of like restricted R-rated issues in the Qur'an that we sometimes tend to shy away from. We, we try not to talk about it. Hatta lama, like non-Muslims ask us about Islam and about these ayat, do we know how to answer them? We don't have an answer, we don't understand our book. We don't understand the Qur'an. Inshallah, so, so inshallah, by the end of today, you will understand a little bit more about these, these meanings. Qiyamah is not only about the losers. For your information, the Day of Judgment will also be an amazing and happy and bright and enjoyable day for who? For the believers. Al-Mu'mineen, the believers. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them go through all that terror and all that horror? Sahih? 
So the believer will have an amazing time. They will be under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will be chilling with their friends and their families and they're, they're, they're going to have amazing weather and they're going to be escorted by angels to a very peaceful place. This, I'm talking about the Day of Judgment. But not all of it is horror. There's so many amazing things about the Day of Judgment for the believers. But let's be, let's be fair. Let's see both sides of the coin. And the Qur'an talks to both. By the way, as we go through the surah today, I'm going to try to explain how a believer reacts to these ayat and how a disbeliever reacts to these ayat. Okay, because it's talking to everybody. Primarily the Qur'an, when it was revealed. In the, and by the way, Surah Al-Qiyamah is a Meccan surah. Who was it primarily talking to? Minigulli. Kuffar Quraysh. Okay. And primarily it was being revealed to who? The Prophet Okay, but it's been addressed to the Prophet and the Prophet is reciting these words to who? To the kuffar of Quraysh, and who else? Al Mu'minin, the believers. Okay, and today we are also the audience of the surah. Okay, so there's four audiences. You have to keep this in mind as we go along these ayat. Yom al Qiyamah, and this surah has a lot of mercy in it. We should all be thankful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala named a surah by Surah Al-Qiyamah in the Qur'an. Who can tell me why? Why is, it, why is this surah a gift for us? How can this surah, this scary title, be a gift for us? Very simple. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning us in advance of a danger that's about to come. Why would a teacher warn his students about a very tough exam? So they can be prepared. So they can be prepared, right? So does that make the teacher nice or not nice? Of course, right? So if the teacher loves his students, he will warn them in advance because he wants them all to pass. Correct or no? Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember my words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created every single human being, not only Muslims, every single human being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them to enter paradise. Well, there is a house in Jannah, in paradise, with every single human being's name on it. It's up to us to earn that house. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the angels and, and the prophets and the books so that He could guide us to earn our place in paradise. And by the way, how many paradises are there? So there are seven levels of the paradise in the afterlife. But is there another paradise? There's another paradise, brothers and sisters. There is a paradise on earth. There is a paradise on earth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also wants us to live in. For Allah is calling us to a win-win situation. We win in this world and we win in the afterlife. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want us to suffer in this world. He doesn't want us to go through poverty and disease and sickness and you know, family problems and all sorts of psychological issues. He does not want us to go through that. And He has promised that if we follow this book and we follow His guidance, we will be on the path of happiness. You want me to prove this to you? Surah Al-Fatiha. Okay? The, the summary of the Qur'an. Some of the scholars say that Surah Al-Fatiha is the table of contents of the entire Qur'an. In Surah Al-Fatiha, which path do we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us on? Surah Al-Mustaqeem. And then further on, we go, to, we go to ask Allah, guide us on the path, الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ صح ولا لا? 
Have you ever thought of, about the word an'amta? What does an'amta mean? Blessing. It comes, so usually it's translated as blessing, which is an unfair translation. Now if you go to the root of the word, you know, an'amta, it's na'im. Min al-na'ma na'im. And what is na'im, by the way? Na'im is joy, happiness, harmony, and bliss. This is the path that a believer walks on in this dunya as well as, inshallah, leading him to the akhirah. So Allah's promise is a promise of mercy, a promise of love. He loves us all. He wants us all to go to Jannah. He wants us to live a happy and harmonious and blissful life. But if we are not living happy lives, if we are poor, suffering through financial difficulty, if we are going through family issues, if we are going through emotional stress and emotional issues, who do we blame? Ourselves. Then we haven't followed the guidance. For the guidance, Allah's Qur'an is a gift for us and every single surah inside of it has some lesson for us to live a happy and meaningful life, inshallah. That's what I was trying to explain here. Are most people happy or sad? Let's be honest. Honestly, most people, regardless of how much money is in the bank account, regardless of how big your house is, regardless of how many cars you have in the garage, or what models they are, Wallahi, this does not bring you inner peace. Inner peace, which comes from Iman, is priceless. You cannot buy it anywhere. You can't find it on Amazon. Can you? Inner peace comes only from Iman. Only from belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only from living a life of guidance through the Qur'an. You can search around the world. You can try to explore other ways to get this inner peace. Trust me, you will waste your entire life finding it. This is the, this is the answer. The Qur'an is the answer. Oh, by the way, the Qur'an is the ultimate book of therapy. A lot of us have issues going on in our lives. Okay, we're not happy, we're stressed out, we're sad, we have issues, anger, hasad, family issues. The Qur'an is your ultimate book of therapy. And you know, when it comes to balance and to be fair with the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us to have a balance between three things. Number one, which is like, like this, this bird here. One wing is the wing of hope, of Allah's mercy. And the other wing is the wing of fear. And what's, what's the main, what's the face of the bird? Who can tell me? So we have hope, we have fear, and what's the face? Love. The essence of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in a relationship of love. Okay? Well, by the way, fear, if you ask any psychology expert, he will tell you that fear is a negative emotion. Isn't it true? So how can fear be positive? That a fear is extremely bad for your health. If you have fear in your heart, you are going through issues in your life. How can the Qur'an be therapy as well as fear? One of the problems is that we haven't, understand, we haven't understood what fear of Allah means. Then we watch too much horror movies, paranormal activity, or the saw, and all these scary movies, where we think that fear of Allah means being scared of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being scared of seeing Him. 
Allah has a stick or a whip and He wants, He's waiting to punish us all. Is that, is that true of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. Okay. Allah, His essence of our relationship with Him is an essence of mercy and love. But what does fear of Allah mean? And it's in the Quran. Khashiyatullah. It's in the Quran. Taqwa. What does fear of Allah mean? Similar to the, the relationship we have with our parents. When we were kids, did we in a way fear our parents sometimes? When did that happen? Was it fear of them punishing us? What was it a fear of? Who can tell me? Think about it. Very good. Fear of disappointing them. Fear of not living up to their expectations. Now they have expectations of us. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has expectations of us. And this fear that Allah wants us to have is a fear not of Allah. Fear of not living up to the expectations of Allah and a fear of distancing away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because who's the loser? The one who distances himself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the one who gets closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The one who gets distanced, okay? But that's the fear we should have. Anything that we do to take us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should be afraid of doing that. But it's, it's, not, an, it's not a horror scene. It's not a scene of terror. But let's, let's uh, do a quick review. What are the two wings? Hope of Jannah, inshallah, and fear of disappointing Allah. Okay, talk out loud. Otherwise, we're going to sleep. I want this to be interactive, inshallah. So, what was one wing? Hope of Allah's mercy and paradise, and fear of disappointing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's the main relationship? What's the head? Love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, let's move on. So, we're done with the intro. Ready to begin the surah, inshallah? Alright, that was a long intro, by the way. I need to speed up. But this surah is split into five. Parts, okay? Part one will talk about the concept of denial, the concept of denying this Yom al Qiyamah, the, the, the day of judgment and afterlife. Part two will talk about the scene of the day of judgment, okay? Part three was, is going to talk about the Savior on the day of judgment. Part four is going to talk about two groups, the final two groups of the day of judgment. And then finally, Allah will talk about the final moments of a human being. What are the final moments of a human being? No, final moments in this world. Death. 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 So that's, that's going to be the end scene. Okay? Fa, inshallah, uh, five parts. Who can remind you what are the five parts of the surah? Part one? Denial. Part two? The scene. Part three? Savior. Part four? Two groups. Part five? The final moments. Okay, let's start with denial. A'udhu billahi mishtar rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts by saying, La uqsimu bi yawmil qiyamah. Okay? Why did he start with la? Think about it. Who is this Quran being addressed to? To disbelievers. And disbelievers had different ideas about the concept of afterlife. Binisbalahum, afterlife, some of them said that, you know what? There is no day of judgment. We just die and that's it. Some had other theories. La, maybe. I'm going to be reincarnated to something else. If I'm a good person, I'll be reincarnated to something better. If I'm a bad person, I'll be reincarnated into a mouse or something. Okay? Other theories were, la, we probably might just die and end up transforming into nature. And some people said, everybody go to paradise. There's no such thing as hellfire. But there were these different theories. What is Allah saying? No to all these theories. No, I swear by the day of judgment. 
Oh, by the way, Yawm Al-Qiyamah is mentioned, at least this word is mentioned 70 times in the Qur'an. And it's mentioned by other names all over the Qur'an. Sah la? When something, remember this, when something is repeated over and over and over in the Qur'an, what does that mean? It's extremely important. And what else? It's the thing that we forget the most. Okay? It's the thing that we forget the most. But Yawm Al-Qiyamah is one of the things that we forget the most. Therefore, Allah keeps repeating them. So He's swearing by the Day of Judgment. Yawm Al-Qiyamah, not only does it mean the Day of Judgment, it also means the, the Day of Waking Up. Then Al-Qiyamah, al-wahid lama yigoom min al-noom, sah? Hatta yisamuna Al-Qiyamah. Wa Ali ibn Abi Talib kan yigool, Al-Nasu Niyam. People are asleep. And they will wake up at the moment of death. That's when you actually see the real world. You're asleep in this, in this world. You wake up when you, see, when you see the life after death. That's the real reality. Fayom okay? al-Qiyamah is the day of waking up. For some of you, I've, I've had a Yom al-Qiyamah already. I've already had a Yom al-Qiyamah. When was my Yom al-Qiyamah? The day that I realized, and the day I tasted the beauty of this deen, the beauty of Iman. That was my day of waking up. You guys get it? But there's another meaning here. Yom Al-Qiyamah for some of you could be today. Going through the surah, maybe it wakes you up. Maybe it gives you this taste of the beauty of the Qur'an and the beauty of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whether you like it or not, Allah is swearing by this day. It's coming. Don't argue about it. Even if you don't like it, if you don't, even if you want to avoid talking about it, it's coming. There's no doubt about it. At the same time, Allah is swearing. Who's swearing? Allah. So that's the first evidence. One of the first evidences that the Day of Judgment is a reality is that Allah Himself is swearing by this day. Okay? Oh, by the way, Kuffar Quraysh, did they believe that the Qur'an were the words of Allah or no? You'd be surprised that most of them did. Most of them did. You want me to prove this to you? Lish, they used to accuse the Prophet of what? Being a sorcerer, being crazy, being a magician, being someone who separates between families. But who are they accusing? The message or the messenger? Why were they accusing the messenger? Because the message was perfect. They had no arguments against the message. Arabic at the peak of their times, these words could not come from a normal human being. These could not be the words of a human being. They already made that you know, and some of the kuffar of Quraysh used to, in hiding, you know, secretly go and listen to the Qur'an just because they loved these words. But in the open, they would deny it. But in secret, they believed. But in public, they would deny it, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so I... Yes. Great, so the Qur'an, what's beautiful about the Qur'an is there's so many ways of looking at it. There's no black and white way of understanding the Qur'an. Okay? This, the, the meaning that I liked was, no, I reject all these accusations you're talking about, the Day of Judgment. It is coming, it is a reality. And by the way, the credibility is not the credibility of Allah only. Who else's credibility? The credibility of the Prophet Who is reciting these words to the kuffar now? 
Rasulullah right? So he's reciting these words, لا أقسم بيوم القيامة And what was the title of the Prophet before he became a messenger? As-Sadiq al-Ameen, he was known to be the one who was most honest, the most trustworthy. Everyone believed what he said. The fact that Allah is saying it, the fact that the Prophet is saying it, this in itself is enough evidence that this is a reality, it's coming. And then Allah swears by the nafs al-lawama. لا ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة The nafs, that's the blaming nafs. The nafs that keeps blaming itself over and over and over and over again. Okay, Let's talk about the word nafs now. What does nafs mean? Remember this, we're made up of three things. As human beings, we're made up of three things. Number one, who can tell me? Body. Number two, the soul, our ruh. Number three, nafs. Okay? A w- very easy way of understanding this is a computer or a laptop. What is a laptop made of? Hardware. Hardware is the body. Okay? Very simple. Software is... A nafs, and what's the ruh? No. Power. You need power, صح? or battery, whatever. Okay? But a very easy way of understanding our reality as human beings. But we are not just bodies. By the way, what do we usually take care of most nowadays? Bodies. Bodies, That's why you know, opening a salon business is a great thing to do. <laughs> Clothes businesses, makeup, perfume. Shampoo, صح? all these accessories and makeup. You go to a city center or any mall, what are they selling? Products for what? For your body. Okay? Rarely do we have products for our souls. Rarely do we have products for our nafs. So what's the food for the body, very quickly? How do we feed our body? With food and drink and sleep and rest and exercise. صح ولا لا? What's the food of the ruh? Quran and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So if you are someone who is spiritually dead, you're disconnected, you don't believe in God, you don't have any relationship with the Quran, you don't have time for God, sorry to say, you're, you're unplugged in the power. You're a walking dead man, and spiritually you're dead. Remember, that ruh is the power, okay? but you're unplugged. Now here's the, the nice part. What's the food of the nafs? Now, salah is, again, remembrance, Qur'an, what's the food for the nafs? The food for the nafs, my dear brothers and sisters, is values. Al-qiyam, wal-akhlaq. Okay? And this is something that we are lacking nowadays, صح? We have people who are praying, we have people who are hafid Qur'an, people who have long beards, and niqab, and hijab. But where are the values? Not there. Ma fi akhlaq. صح? No manners. And non-Muslims who don't have Qur'an, who don't have Iman, they have better manners than us. Let's be honest. Sah How many of you agree to this? Why? Because we have forgotten our nafs. Okay? We just focused on, you know, al-zahir. And the nafs is something internal. This is what makes you who you are as a personality. Whether you're honest or not. Whether you're trustworthy or not. Whether you have justice. Whether you treat people fairly. Whether you value education. You know, developing yourself. Caring for others, loving others, not judging others. That they don't teach, unfortunately, nowadays. You know? First thing we teach our kids about Islam is what? Salah, Quran, Hijab. We've gotten it wrong. 
we have to start with qiyam that make us human beings. Values that make us human beings. Awalan, that's the foundation. Then Islam comes to beautify it more. Okay? So Allah is swearing by nafs al-lawama. What does a nafs al-lawama mean? Lawm means to blame yourself when you mess up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of His mercy has built in a, inside every single one of us a moral compass. Something that you know, indicates the alarm goes off when you mess up, when you do something wrong. Right? You don't learn that lying is wrong. You're not supposed to learn that killing is wrong. You're not supposed to learn that you know, apologizing is wrong or apologizing is good. This is, these are things that are built inside of us. Every single human being has this system built inside of them. This is what Allah calls a nafs al-lawama. Allah is swearing by this. He's praising this nafs. Then what is the purpose of this alarm system inside of us? What is the purpose? Gets us back on track whenever we go off track. Okay? So whenever you go off track, the nafs al-lawama starts blaming you. Starts blaming you. You're going off track. Get back on track. Okay? And then not only that, Allah has given us a mechanism to put off the fire in case we do go off track. Will we make mistakes in our lives, guys? Every single one of us. There's no angel sitting around us. There's no prophet sitting around us. Every single one of us will mess up. We will make mistakes. We will make terrible mistakes. And we've all made terrible mistakes. And this nafs al-lawama's alarm has gone off. But Allah, not only has He given us this alarm, He has also given us the hose to put off the fire so that you can turn the page and move on. What's that hose? Istighfar, tawbah, and repentance, right? And this door of repentance is always open. Always open. No matter how messed up you are. Okay? I don't care how much history you have of sins and mistakes, the door of tawbah is always open. And so Allah is swearing by this nafs al-lawama. This thing inside of you that makes you feel bad when you mess up, this in itself is a sign that, listen, maybe you got away with it in this life. If you get away with it in this life, you will have to pay for it one day. It's a natural reminder inside of you. And no one can eliminate this. No one can eliminate this. And let me give you an example of two students. Okay? Both students fail the exam. One student gets depressed, starts doing drugs, alcohol, gives up on school, hates his teachers, decides to, you know, quits his school and does nothing with his life. Believes that he's a complete loser. The other student, on the, ha- on the other hand, he learns from his mistake, blames himself for not trying hard enough, blames himself for not studying for the exam, but this blaming turns into positive energy for him to go back to school and study even harder and be even more motivated to succeed. And he reads and he studies and he passes exam and he excels in his school and he excels in college and excels in his business and becomes an extremely successful man. What was the trigger for him to, to change his life to the positive? Nafs al-lawama. You see how this can become a gift for all of us? Right? This gift that can turn us into the complete positive side. Nafs al-lawama, if you keep hiding things under the rug, okay, eventually what happens to it? You become a nafs al-amara bisu'a. 
you start becoming someone who jumps at any sin in front of you. خلاص, this moral compass for you gets so rusty that it's not working anymore. Okay? It needs a lot of polishing to do. It's not disappeared, but it's not working. It's not functioning. That's why there's so many people today who are killing children in the name of Islam. Because what's gone? Their nafs, this morality, the qiyam, are gone completely. And for human beings, when the, the, the morals and the qiyam and these values are gone, we become worse than animals. That's the sad reality. Okay? That's the dangerous part of this. Okay? But for a lot of people who just keep sinning, keep making mistakes, and not doing tawbah, not seeking istighfar and tawbah and repentance, not going back to Allah and not starting a new page, they are in the danger of you know, getting into this, this state of not having that alarm signal going off. That's why you have people who you know, are going to the clubs and there's no more guilt anymore. They're enjoying the party. They're enjoying committing adultery. They're enjoying doing drugs. There's no sense of guilt. There's no sense of blame anymore. Why? Because if they've done it over and over and over again, to the extent that that nafs, that blaming soul is no longer there. Okay? Completely distant from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah says, أَيَحْسَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَلَّنْ نَجْمَعَ Does the human being think that we won't, we won't gather his bones? And by the way, insan comes from the root word nasiyah, which means what? Uhail kalima in this surah is mentioned six times. Is that a coincidence? Al-insan is mentioned six times. Why? Because Allah is emphasizing, you keep forgetting. You keep forgetting. You keep forgetting. And Quran is dhikr. Quran is the ultimate reminder. And so Allah says, أَيَحْسَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَلَّنْ نَجْمَ Do you think that we won't be able to gather your bones? Even, you know, the Hindus, you know what they do, right? With the dead body. They burn the bodies and then they take the ashes and they throw them in the sea. Even those dead people, Allah will gather those bones. Don't think that He can't gather those bones. Then Allah says, Bala, indeed, banana. Not only can we gather His bones, we are able to fully reshape Him up to the point of perfecting the fingerprints. Al banan here are the fingerprints. Well, today we know that one of the ways of identifying a person is through what? The fingerprints, صح? And every single human being since the day of creation, since Adam السلام, till the end of day of judgment, there is no two human beings who will have identical fingerprints. صح ولا لا? That's why you know the cops and the FBI and the CIDs they use these, this as an identification. صح? Allah is saying, not only can I gather your bodies, I can reshape you into perfect form. Nusawiyah means perfect form up to your fingertips. Oh, by the way, when Allah made us, when Allah first made us, let's talk about the iPhone, for example. What was more difficult to make? The first iPhone or the second iPhone? Why? Because it was the first version, صح? there was probably a lot of errors and a lot of flaws and that's... Uh, but once you make it once, the second time is super easy. Third time is even more easier. Allah is saying, you're denying that I can bring you back. If, if creating you first in the first place was easy, how about recreating you? How about regathering this one? It's, it's not an issue. Super easy. For fingerprints. 
up to the fingerprints, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, up to those details, Allah says, I can recreate you. No problems. No effort. Effortlessly. But then Allah says, بَلْ يُرِيدُ الْإِنسَانُ لِيَفْجُرَ أَمَامَهُ It's so beautiful. Allah is exposing us. Allah is telling us why we really deny the Day of Judgment. The real problem is not that we deny the Day of Judgment. The real problem is we want to do fujur. بَلْ يُرِيدُ الْإِنسَانُ لِيَفْجُرَ أَمَامَهُ In fact, the human being, he just wants to party. He just wants to have a good time. He just wants to follow his desires. Fujur here comes from the root word fajr, which means to explode. When you're impulsive to your desires, whenever you feel like doing something, you just do it without thinking, without asking, without you know, checking if it's right or wrong. This is the real reason why people deny the Day of Judgment. They want to have a good time. And by the way, for a lot of Quraysh people, they believed in Allah being the Creator, but why did they deny the Prophet and Islam? They wanted to have a good time. They didn't want rules. They didn't want authority over them. You guys get it? Yes? But they don't want anyone tell, to tell them what's right, what's wrong. They just want to have, they want freedom to do whatever they want. Worshipping their desires. This is called worshipping your desires. You don't want Allah to be your master. You don't want Allah to tell you what to do and what not to do. You want to be your own, you want to worship yourself. Okay? This is what Allah is saying. This is the real reason why they're denying this day. And these people, they just do it. Whatever is in their mind, whatever opportunity they get, they just explode. They just follow their desires blindly without even thinking. Interestingly, the word agal, okay, comes from the root word aql. And every single one of us, do we have aql, inshallah? Yes? The purpose of the aql in the Arabic language was to tie up the camel. Al-Badu, Badu, what they used to do in the desert was when they, يعني, they would wear it on their heads, but when it was time to sleep, they would tie up the camel with the iqal. So iqal, aqal al-shay, ay, rabatah. Okay? To tie it up. And therefore, our aql, this, this brain that Allah gave you, its ultimate purpose is to tie you up from following your desires blindly. If your brake system, your brake mechanism has failed, sorry to say, you're not aql, you are jahil, according to the Arabic language. Okay? Who do we call aql? Someone who graduates, someone who has a degree, someone who's successful in his education and his career. Right? The real aql is the one who can stop himself from following his sins and desires blindly. Someone who has no moral compass, no moral consciousness. And by the way, when every single one of us starts to just follow our desires blindly, what's going to happen to the world? Chaos. Civilization cannot exist without this system in place, without a, an authority. If there's no CEO in a company, what's going to happen to the company? A couple of days, the company's gone bankrupt. Why? Because there's no order, there's no law and order, there's no authority, no one to check. There's no government, the, the country goes into a disaster. Many years ago in New York, the, you know, the electricity went out for a couple of hours. What ended up happening? Chaos and billions of dollars worth of theft happened in those couple of hours. Why? Because human beings, whenever that authority is gone, they end up being worse than animals. 
But that authority is needed. You need that nafs al-lawama to keep you on track, to keep the civilization in order. Without that, it's going to be a mess. Oh, by the way, بَلْ يُرِيدُ الْإِنسَانُ لِيَفْجُرَ أَمَامَهُ What does أَمَامَهُ mean? We want to, Allah is saying, we like to follow our desire blindly in front of Him. This is beautiful. One meaning is in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because we could be in, in a closed room, in a dark night where everyone's sleeping, our parents are sleeping, or you're traveling somewhere, nobody's there who, who knows you, you're completely alone in the hotel room, you could do whatever you want and nobody will find out. You could do fujur, but who are you doing fujur in front of? Allah, amama. And amama also means anything that comes in front of you. You're just like an animal. You just jump on the next opportunity to follow your desires blindly. And so Allah is saying, I know these secrets. I know all these secrets. You could act righteous in front of people. You could act like you're an angel in front of people. But I know exactly what you're all about deep down inside. And amama also means Allah, and he, and he's trying to tell us, listen, you're, you're following your designs blindly and disobeying me blindly in front of me. Me, the one who gave you all these gifts, the one who gave you all these blessings. Like when a mother, a mother, does she do, go through a lot of sacrifice for her child? And one day the child in front of your own eyes disobeys you. How would the mother feel? How would the mother feel? Really bad, صح? How could you do this in front of me? How could you say this in front of me? How could you be so ungrateful for all the blessings I've given you? Okay? Then Allah says, يَسْأَلُ أَيَّانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ He asks, أَيَّانَ means asks mockingly. When is the day of judgment coming? You keep talking about the day of judgment, please. Fahad, please. There's no such thing as day of judgment. كِلَّا حَتِي hai. Are there people who talk like that? Absolutely. Okay? We actually have industries today who make fun of hellfire. I just looked up some, some creative things. And these are, these are nutrition pills labeled hellfire. There's rock bands who call themselves, you know, things that have to do with hell, right? Highway to Hell, the famous song. Ooh, uh, what else? There are movies made about hell. I remember this movie very clearly. I saw it in my childhood. It was about this group of people. How many of you have seen this movie, by the way? It's a really interesting movie. This group of people, they are on a spaceship and they accidentally enter into the hellfire. And they see all these crazy things and they end up escaping from the hellfire at the end of the movie. In a way, it's kind of like mocking the Day of Judgment. Hatta movies like Independence Day and, you know, what was that other movie? 2012 or something? where terrible hurricanes and storms and tragedies happen on earth and this external force is attacking the human beings but some hero in the movie, you know, usually it's Will Smith or someone he ends up escaping this and saving the world <laughs> the reality is on the day of judgment, is that going to happen? it's not going to happen but these are all subliminal messages it's, it's programming us to not take Yawm Al-Qiyamah seriously. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. You can escape it. Indirectly. We don't, we don't realize this. And there was a, a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. He once went to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him, when is the day of judgment? Classic question, right? So many theories out there about when the day of judgment is. It's going to be on this date, on December 2022, and all these theories, right? 
the Prophet ﷺ didn't go on to explain when it's going to be. He asked him, what did you prepare for it? That's the question you need to ask. Don't ask me when the Day of Judgment is. Ask me how do I prepare for the Day of Judgment. So the concept of when is the Day of Judgment, is it true or not, that's long gone. Nations and nations of the past, all the religious books that came, all the scriptures that came before us, all the prophets, they've already talked about the Day of Judgment. It's, yani, if you look at a checklist, it's already done. It's a reality, whether you like it or not, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The real question to ask is, are you prepared? Are you preparing yourself for it? And so, يَسْأَلُ أَيَّانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ This guy is asking mockingly, when is the Day of Judgment coming? Mockingly. Part 2, the scene. Allah says, you're mocking? Okay, let's fast forward to the actual scene of the Day of Judgment. On that day, فَإِذَا بَرِقَ الْبَصَرِ On that day, the eyes will be flashed in fear and terror. وَخَسَّفَ الْقَمَرِ And the moon is going to lose its light. وَجُمِعَ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرِ And you're going to see in front of your own eyes the sun and the moon joining together and destroying each other out. يَقُولُ الْإِنسَانُ يَوْمَئِذٍ أَيْنَ الْمَفَرِ on that day, this human being, this forgetful human being is going to say, where is the escape? It's so beautiful. Why does this human being want to escape now? When do human beings want to escape, by the way? Afraid of what? Why is he afraid of punishment now? For dunya, he wasn't afraid. He was joking around, following his desired... Doing fujur. Leish al how come now he's running away? He wants to run away. Finally, he admits that, listen, I messed up. Allah's, out of his mercy, Allah's telling us, showing us the scene of the person who realizes too late. When it's too late, this is what's going to happen. You're going to want to run for your life. Ayn al mafar. Because this person knows he's guilty. Deep down inside, he knows he's guilty. Whether, people, whether you like it or not, you could joke about it, you could deny it. But deep down inside, you are completely terrified of this moment. And you want to escape. But there is no escape. And you want to escape from what? From responsibility, you want to escape from accountability. That's the reality of your matter. You don't want anyone to hold you accountable. You don't want anyone to sit down with you. And, and by the way, none of us likes... You know, being graded on exams It's human nature None of us likes to be evaluated at the year end If you're an employee It's the worst part of the year This is human nature But on that day, that is the day of accountability That is the day of responsibility Then Allah says, no La wazar There is no escape Wazar means no absence and no escape By the way, in, in our life Sometimes When you're going through a tough situation What do you end up doing? Being absent It's the easiest way to avoid You know, tension And, and to avoid You know, facing discomfort Let's say for example I have a very terrible boss That's very kind of uh, rude And uh, treats his employees very badly He calls for an urgent meeting And we know it's, it's a terrible meeting He's going to hammer us What's the easiest way to avoid this meeting? Call sick very easy. On that day, can anyone call himself sick? Is there going to be any absence on that day? Allah is saying, Kalla la wazar. There will be no absence on that day. Ila rabbika al-mustaqar. Allah will say later on. But wazar also means from wizr, which means burden. 
في الدنيا when you have a lot of burden what do we end up doing with it when you have too much burden what do you do you pass it on to someone else it's called delegation صح ولا لا you delegate it you hire someone to do it on your behalf or you pay someone to take it for you صح او بالواسطه يعني on that day will there be any wasta can you buy yourself out of trouble Allah saying kalla la wazar on that day you have to hold your own burden on your own back there is no passing it on to anybody there's no wasta there's none of this there's no money can't do you anything on that day kalla la wazar ila rabbika yawma idhin almustaqar whether you like it or not you are going to eventually end up to your master to the one who created you and the scene here is the scene of like a conveyor belt whether you like it or not the belt is taking you towards your master and by the way in this ayah there's a positive side also then what are the believers feeling now on the conveyor belt they're excited this is like that graduation day remember graduation day back in school and college you're looking forward to that day when you'll be you know celebrating and you know you're going to be given the de- degree and you're going to be honored and your parents are going to be there and the cameras are there and you're dressed up and it's a party and the after party remember that that's what's happening here for the believers they can't wait to meet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally they can't wait for the angels to open the doors of paradise for them but you see how there's two sides of this As for the disbelievers, as for the one who rejected, as for the one who was fajr from fujur, who was just impulsive and following his desires, they're going to be freaked out. Even if you turn away and start running on the opposite direction of the belt, are you still going to meet your Rabb? That's what's meant here. إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَئِذِنِ الْمُسْتَقَرِّ And by the way, for the believers, mustaqar comes from qarar, which means peace. Istiqrar means to be settled. So for the believers, they will have their final settlement with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the place of relaxation. That's the place where they'll chill. With who? With the Rabb. إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَ إِذْنِ الْمُسْتَقَرِّ And by the way, this conveyor belt is going to take you to questioning. Especially for the disbelievers. Questioning by an authority is a matter of fact. Let me ask you a question. Is it... Fair enough for your boss to call you for questioning Or to call you for an annual review of how you did Can you say, I don't want to do this I don't want to be questioned I don't want, to, I don't want this review Can you do that? Is it fair enough for him to do that? Because this, this is one of the rights of that authority If you have an authority, and which, which Rabb actually means One of the meanings of Rabb is your ultimate authority If he's your Rabb, he's your authority Whether you like it or not Whether you accept it or not, he is your authority And therefore he has complete right to question you, to hold you accountable and to review. Let's just say, you know, in countries where they tax, can they do a tax review on you anytime? Absolutely. Can you say, no, I don't, want, I don't want you to do any tax review for me. Can you do that? So it's completely normal for you to do a review. And by the way, if you don't do this review, are you really an authority? No. No. Okay. You have... absolute right to do authority and so this is also one of the evidences of the day of judgment if you're denying the day of judgment you're denying the fact that Allah has the right to review what you've done it doesn't make sense logically because in this world every single authority whether it's government whether it's a boss whether it's at home do you have as a parent do you have a right to review your children's 
um, you know, what your children are up to every now and then? Can your children say to you, nah, it's none of your business what I'm doing, please stop asking me? No, you have a right to check. If you're paying for your school, uh, children's school fees, you have a right to check their grades every now and then. You have a right to sit with them and you know, go over their grades and speak to the teachers and check how they're doing and review. It's complete. If, if you are not following up on your children, there's something messed up with the parents. Similarly here, Allah is saying to that ultimate authority, all of us will be driven to be held accountable for that review. And by the way, for the believers, it's going to be a great day because you're going to have you're going to be passing with flying colors. And Allah is going to be congratulating you on your good book. The book that you receive in your right hand. As for the disbelievers, they will be receiving the book in their left hand, behind their back. And they're going to hide it behind their back. Why are they going to hide it behind their back? Shame. Shame. Embarrassment. Okay? Then Allah says, يُنَبَّأُ الْإِنسَانُ يَوْمَئِذٍ بِمَا قَدَّمَ وَأَخَّرَ This is the, a central su- ayah in this, in this surah. On that day, al-insan, see it's repeated again, the forgetful human being on that day will be told what he sent forward and what he sent back. It has many meanings. One of the beautiful meanings of this is priorities. On that day, Allah will tell us what our priorities were. What we gave precedent to over what. What was important for us, what was not important for us? Was partying more important or was praying more important for you? Was reading Quran more important or, I don't know, going to the club more important for you? Was helping people with charity more important or blowing away money in, in the gambling uh, you know, place or casino? What was more important for you? What did you give a priority over what? Was going to the, to the you know, coffee shop and smoking shisha and having a good time with your friends more important or quality time with your kids and your wife and your parents? What was more important for you? The human being will be told on that day what was a priority, what was not a priority. Oh, by the way, also this means we will be told on that day what we did in our early years and what we did in our latter years. Everything is recorded. It's like a, a tape that's going to be played. And also here, the concept of return on investment. For those of you who are businessmen, this is one of the most important numbers that any investor, any businessman looks at. On that day, we will see the return of our investments. That is the day of you know, checking your end balance. Was it worth it? If you invest it for that day, you will see, you will reap the fruits of that day. Because when you invest, you see the rewards immediately. You're going to have to wait for it in the future. That's what akhara means. فَقَدَّمَ means the investment. Akhara means the return on investment. And also, qaddama akhar here is reminding us of the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because so many people, evil people, will get away with their wrongdoings in this dunya. Sah or Okay, let me give you a classic example. You have one person who killed a single human being. 
Is that a wrong act? It's terrible. What's the maximum punishment you can give this person? Maximum punishment. Death penalty. How many times can you kill this person? Once. You have person B who killed 10,000 people. What maximum punishment can you give this person B? Death penalty. How many times can you kill him? Is that fair? Can you establish justice in this world? Let me tell you, for those of you who are searching for fairness in this world, keep searching. It ain't coming. This life is always going to be unfair. You, you have to swallow this fact. It's never going to be fair. Okay? That's why the Day of Judgment has to, has to be a reality. Because this life is unfair. It's out of Allah's mercy and justice that because this life is unfair, we have, the, the score has to be settled on that day. It has to be settled. Because what is Allah's name? One of Allah's names is Al-Adl. The ultimate just. And for Him to establish His justice would be for us to settle the score on the Day of Judgment. Okay? Otherwise, if Allah didn't settle the score, would, he, would it make Him just? No. That would mean Allah is imperfect. So for Allah to establish His perfection, if we truly believe in Allah, we have to believe that He is perfectly just. Therefore, if this life is going to be unfair to us, then it's only, it only logically makes sense that there has to be a day of, day of judgment. There has to be a day where Allah will tell us what we sent forward, what we, sent, what we delayed. But for the people who do excessive wrongdoing in this dunya and get away with it, it's Allah's justice that they have to pay the price. And so Allah says, بَلِ الْإِنسَانُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ بَصِيرًا See the word insan comes again. The forgetful human being knows himself inside out. عَلَى نَفْسِهِ بَصِيرًا He sees himself deep down inside and he knows exactly what he's all about deep down inside. And I see all your faces, you see my faces, we see each other's external appearances. صح ولا لا? But deep down inside, every single one of us has the dark side, the, the hidden sins and the secret sins and the, you know, the, the black pages of our book. We all have them. Allah is saying that the human being knows himself more than anybody else. So stop denying the Day of Judgment. You know how, that you, you're messing up in this life. Stop denying it. You can come up with any excuses you want. You can come up with 10,000 excuses. On that day, will your excuses be heard? Throw any excuse you want. On that day, guess what? We won't be able, be able to speak. What will speak on our behalf on that day? Our body parts will speak on our, on our behalf. Our eyes will testify whether we saw the right things or the wrong things. Our tongues will testify whether we said nice things to people or whether we hurt people with our tongues whether we you know committed um, you know backbiting or whether we spread love with our tongues whether we were kind to people or whether we were rude to people whether we cursed people or whether we spread peace with our tongues on that day our hands will testify if you've done any injustice and your hands will also on the positive side testify for every dinar that you spent in the way of Allah to help somebody 
Your feet will testify to the wrong places you've been. At the same time, your feet will testify to the footsteps you took to the masjid. All our body parts will be speaking. No excuses on that day. Who is to blame on that day? Ourself. Take responsibility. Be a, be a man, be a woman. Accept responsibility. By the way, this is the difference between Adam السلام, and Iblis. Did both of them mess up? Yes or no? In the beginning of time, Adam and Hawa messed up. They ate from the tree, the forbidden tree. Iblis messed up. What's the big difference between the two? Iblis did not take responsibility for his mistake. He blamed Allah for not being able to prostrate, prostrate to Adam. He didn't say, sorry Allah, I'm so sorry, I'm going to do sajda. Had he said that, he wouldn't be a shaitan al-rajim. He was kicked out because he avoided to accept responsibility. Why? Because he had what inside of him? Ego, Ego and arrogance. صح? I'm not going to ex- accept that I messed up. You made me mess up. Whereas Adam and Hawa, when they messed up, what did Allah teach them? The first lesson Allah taught them was a dua. رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Oh Allah, we wronged ourselves. And if you don't you know, forgive us and have mercy on us, we will definitely be from those who are the losers. But the first lesson that Allah taught us in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Baqarah, right at the beginning was, accept responsibility, stop diffusing this responsibility. Stop blaming shaitan. Stop blaming Allah for all your misfortune in this world. Stop blaming the government. Stop blaming ISIS. Stop blaming Israel. Stop blaming the Illuminati. On that day, you can't even blame shaitan. Blame only yourself. And by the way, when you blame yourself, is that good or bad? If you keep blaming yourself, and you don't get away with it, and you don't get over it, that's extremely bad, by the way. And there's so many people, actually, they get stuck in this. They keep blaming themselves for mistakes they've done in the past, and they don't get over it. Does Allah want you to keep regretting yourself in the past? Does Allah want you to live in the past? Allah wants you to admit that you messed up, ask for forgiveness, say sorry, move on. Turn the page and move on, live in the present. Shaitan wants you to get stuck in the past. Shaitan wants you to keep regretting and blaming yourself over and over again. So blame is good to some extent. But you have to move on to the next part after the blame, which is accepting responsibility, saying sorry, and moving on and doing good deeds. And then good deeds replace bad deeds. Inna al-hasanat sayyat. So we're now at part number three, inshallah. The Savior. Who can tell me what is the Savior on that day? What savior is Allah going to talk about now? It is the Quran. The ultimate savior. When we asked Allah, اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم We said, اهدنا, Ya Allah guide us. Right after Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah said, ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين You want guidance? That book is your guidance. That book is your savior. This is, what, this is why this book is such, this is actually the miracle of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu It's a miracle. Sitting in our houses, sitting in our masjids, sitting in our phones and our, in, the, in the app section. صح? This book is there, but we haven't given it the value it deserves. 
This book is supposed to transform our lives to the better. This is the key to our happiness. And so Allah dedicates four ayat of this surah to a situation where the Prophet ﷺ is in a way feeling a bit stressed out. You know why he's being stressed out? Then the ayat are coming down to him over and over again by Jibreel. And, and by the way, Rasulullah you have to realize the revelation didn't come down to him in order, by the way. One is that Awashi Surah Al-Fatiha and then Baqarah and Al-Imran. It wasn't in the order that we see it today. It was multiple surahs from different places being revealed simultaneously. And he had this burden of keeping track of what goes where. Which ayah goes in which surah? What's the order? How do I pronounce it? But Allah tells the Prophet and Allah is consoling the Prophet in these four ayat. Relax. Don't rush. لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به. Don't rush to memorize these ayat. إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَهُ Leave the, you know, the compilation of this book and leave the order of this book and the maintaining the authenticity of this book. Leave it to us. You... Just follow this book. Whenever we recite it to you, follow it. Just follow it. Implement it in your life. And by the way, لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به also is a lesson to us. How do we read the Quran when we read it? Do we read it slowly with you know thought and pondering? Well, it's usually a speed reading contest. Usually in Ramadan, the Quran comes out. It's a speed reading contest and then we celebrate that we did khatma. Right? And we post a Facebook update. Alhamdulillah, I did a khatma. And our parents are happy with us. Is that why this book was revealed? Saraha, was, it book, was this book revealed for this? Allah is saying, don't rush. Let ajjil fa shay. Don't rush into reading this book. Don't just give it lip service. Is this book for lip service? لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به Stop and think about what you're reading. Stop and ponder upon these, these words, which is called tadabbur in the Qur'an. Okay? Reflect on these words. Think about them deeply. And that's what we're trying to do in this, in this session today, right? Thinking a bit deeply uh, about these ayat. And so Allah says, ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَهُ Leave the explanation of the Qur'an to us. We will explain it to you. You don't take the pressure and the burden of, you know, maintaining the order of the book we will take care of everything. Your job is to recite it onto the people. Your job is to follow what it's saying. And your job is to explain it to people. And remind people with it. So Quran is our savior, guys. We all have to make Quran a part of our lives. And by the way, Allah has designed a, a system, a divine system, whereby we are reminded of the Quran and the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at, at a minimum of five times a day. Through what? In Salah, what do we recite? We have to recite Qur'an in Salah, right? We have to. So if I ask you, when was the last time you read Qur'an? Don't say last Ramadan. Last time you read Qur'an was in your, the last Salah you read. Okay? Whenever that was. For some of, you, some, some of you, it could be Isha. For some of you, it could be last Friday. For some of you, it could be last Eid. For some of you, it could be last Ramadan. And for some of you, it could be, I don't know, 20 years ago. But that's the savior. Which part are we in now? Two groups. What are the two groups? The believers and the disbelievers. 
Allah is calling us out again Throughout this ayah Allah is calling us out again What our weaknesses are Why are we denying the day of judgment? Why do we not think about the day of judgment? Because we like to rush We are the fast food generation We are the instant messaging generation We want things instantly We want the fastest internet speed We want our messages to reach the fastest We want our you know, packages to reach to the other part of the world the fastest way. And so Allah is saying, You want instant satisfaction. Is, is paradise about instant satisfaction or delayed satisfaction? Delayed, right? Obviously, it's, it's a bad sell. For anyone who's selling, and Allah, you know, be patient. Asbar, hold your temptations, inshallah one day you will enjoy. Is that a good sell or a bad sell? Honestly, it's a pretty bad sell. That's why people aren't buying this message. But what did I tell you in the beginning? We need to change the way we sell the message. For parents, change the way you sell this message to your, to your kids. Tell them that Allah's offer is, if you buy this product called Islam, when will you get satisfied? Instantly. There is instant satisfaction in this way of life. This inner peace that you experience in this world is that instant satisfaction. Obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the instant satisfaction. Okay? When you and Allah, by the way, He has given us so many things for us to enjoy life. Can you be a believer and still enjoy life? Absolutely, you can get married and do whatever you want with your wife to some extent in your bedrooms, right? You can drink all sorts of drinks, orange juice, apple juice, mango, pineapple, right? <laughs> except for one type of drink. You can go to any place you want except for very limited places. The halal is so much and muharramat are so few. But you can enjoy this life. You can, you can really be a strong believer and go to the movies and watch something meaningful. I go to the movies and watch meaningful stuff. I went to see The Martian. Did it have a positive message? Yes or no? Yes. There's nothing wrong with this. Allah has no issues with art. If you love art, Allah, one of His names is Al-Musawwir. The artist. How could someone in the name of Islam say art is haram? You want you want instant satisfaction? This deen will give it to you. You want something now? Okay, for, for those of you who are not married, I know you want to satisfy yourselves now. That's there, you're gonna have to wait a bit. Until you get married. Right? With all your hormones going crazy You want to satisfy yourself now Allah is saying, listen This part, wait a bit And if you can conv- convince your parents You can do it now No problem We have put the barriers on ourselves culturally You can satisfy yourself now with this, with this deen and enjoy this life now If you play by the boundaries of Allah I have another talk that's on, on our podcast It's called Life is a Game If you know how to play it well Wallahi, you can enjoy life right now and live in paradise now. 
So you like instant satisfaction and you're delaying al-akhirah, the next, the, the last life, the afterlife. You don't, wanna, you don't want to listen to it. You don't want to hear anything about akhirah, about the next life, about the day of judgment, about the grave. By the way, will all graves be a, a scene of horror? Shuraikum. Adatan, when, whenever like, religious people talk about the grave, it's usually horrific scenes like the, the snake that's going to come out and the squeeze of the grave and the you know, screaming and shouting. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone talk about the fact that believers, for them, their grave will be vast gardens. And every single believer will have a window in his grave through which he could see his house in Jannah. How about that? I'm, I'm not making this stuff up, by the way. Okay? Some of you might think I'm making it up. I'm not making it up. But the sad reality is nobody's talking about this. Everybody, all the, unfortunately, I don't know why it's happening, but the messages we've been hearing are all negative and scary things. Talking about Qiyamah is, is not bad after all, right? I mean, is it that bad? Hands up for those of you who are freaked out. No, you're all normal. It's okay, this is therapy. We need these reminders from time to time. We've inherited this negative and scary attitude and the shaykh with the stick and the angry face and we're all going to hell. And we've Unfortunately, we've not presented this, this message in the right way that it deserves. We have done injustice to the book of Allah. And so it is a win-win situation. Wallahi, brothers and sisters. I can tell you for a fact, Alhamdulillah, Thumma Alhamdulillah, I'm not showing off or anything. I, Wallahi, do feel that I'm living in paradise on earth. It's a living example, Wallahi. And why am I here today? To share this message with you guys. And I want you all to live paradise on earth before the paradise and afterlife. That's my motivation. I'm not getting paid for this talk. I'm not, you know, getting any credit for this. Wallahi, I want every single one who can hear this message, including YouTube, inshallah, that's why we're recording it, to experience paradise on earth. Experience happiness. Then isn't happiness what we're all after, by the way? Why do people want to be rich? Why do people want to buy stuff? Then we think that this is going to give us happiness. Why do people want to travel to places? We think this is going to give us happiness. Why do we get married? We think it's going to give us happiness. We get children. We think it's going to give us happiness. And the human being is constantly searching for that happiness. And by the way, if you search for happiness through things, through materialistic things, take my word for it, you will never be happy. It's impossible because there's always going to be the next thing. You're going to get the BMW, you're going to want the Bentley. You had the house or the swimming pool, now you want the beachfront property. There's no end to it. The only way you can experience true happiness is through this book. So it is a win-win situation. And this is really the, the core and the gist of the whole message. Allah now describes the two groups. The first nadira is with a da. The second one is with a da. What's the difference? Nadira means bright faces, lit up faces, happy, smiling, excited. Why are they excited? Who are they seeing? 
They're seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. And by the way, إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةً They say that out of all the pleasures of paradise, what is the ultimate pleasure going to be? Seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And why will your, will your face be lit up when you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because His beautiful nur is going to be reflected on your face, inshallah. And for those of you, inshallah, and those of us who are in the highest levels of Jannah, you're going to hang out with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quite regularly every day. For those in the second and the third and the fourth levels, it's going to keep decreasing the frequency of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the ultimate pleasure. This is what we should be competing for, guys. The pleasure of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That should be the motivation. And then on the other side, وَوُجُوهُ يَوْمَئِذٍ بَاسِرًا There will be faces who will be depressed and in severe grief and depression and you know, just complete loss. تَظُنُّ أَن يُفْعَلَ بِهَا فَاقِرًا These faces will be completely distressed. They will realize that they wasted their life. They will realize that it's too late now. They made the wrong decisions. They, had the, they put the wrong priorities in place. They let their desires be their God. They didn't take the reminder seriously. And Allah says, تَظُنُّ أَن يُفْعَلَ بِهَا فَاقِرًا They will be certain on that day that يُفْعَلُ بِهَا فَاقِرًا You know what that means, فَاقِرًا? From Al-Amud Al-Faqari. They will be in such bad and terrible uh, problems that are backbreaking. Faqira is a problem or a catastrophe that is backbreaking. When your back breaks, what happens to you? You're paralyzed. So, and it's extremely painful, by the way. For those of you who know, have disc problems or something, it's extremely painful. One of the most painful experiences. Because it's this, you know, the backbone and Amud al-Faqari is very, very sensitive. That's the center of the nervous system. And so Allah is saying, that will be the painful end and disaster of these people. تَظُنُّ أَن يُفْعَلَ بِهَا Last section. Last section, final moments. If after all these arguments, you're still denying, then Allah gives us the ultimate proof. The moment of death. Can anyone deny death, by the way? This is the only reality that every single human being accepts. You can deny afterlife, you can deny Jannah and Hellfire, but death is the most certain thing in this world. Nobody can deny it. So Allah brings this argument as a final argument to make us realize the reality of the Day of Judgment. Allah says, Kalla, إِذَا بَلَغَتِ التَّرَاقِي When the soul reaches a taraqi, taraqi is right here. It's about to exit your body. Okay, so this is the moment of death. And I want you to try to visualize this moment. And again, for the believers, this will be an amazing experience, by the way. Okay, we'll talk about it in a bit. For this believer, it's going to be pretty painful. For the believers, you're going to be enjoying it. It's going to be like a massage. Okay? Massage Thailandi. Okay? Very easy, soft, chilling. Okay? So, كَلَّا إِذَا بَلَغَتِ التَّرَاقِي When the soul reaches the, the throat. And by the way, they say death is the minor qiyamah. Al-qiyamah al-sughra. Aren't most people concerned about when the day of judgment is going to come? 
reality is, guys, the day of judgment for us starts when? When we die. And in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he explained to us that the time frame between the moment you die and the day of judgment will be like an afternoon siesta nap. The nap that you take between Dhuhr and Asr, that's how it's going to feel like. That's how short that time span is going to be. But should we be concerned more about the day of judgment or about death? What should, we, what should we logically be more concerned about? Death. And death can come any moment. That's the reality. Again, Why do we procrastinate? Why do human beings procrastinate? Anyone? Avoid. Yeah, why do we procrast- why do we keep delaying things? Why do we keep saying inshallah one day I'll go to Hajj? Enjoy the moment. Let's look deep inside. Don't see death coming. The reality is we have been deceived by the ultimate deceiver. Who's the ultimate deceiver? Shaitan. Allah says in the Quran, Inna Shaitana Lakum Aduan Fatahiduhu Aduwa. Shaitan is in fact your biggest enemy, so take him as your enemy. Who have we taken as our enemies? America and Israel and maybe our friends and our families, صح? We've taken each other. Muslims fighting against one another. Sunnis fighting against Shias. Wahhabis fighting against, I don't know what, Ahl al-Hadith. Hanafis fighting against Shafi'i. And صح or لا? We're fighting against each other. We have forgotten the ultimate enemy who is shaitan. And so he has deceived us into thinking that we got a chance. I have tomorrow. Inshallah, one day I'll go for hajj. A slight tangent. For those of you who can afford to go to hajj and you haven't gone to hajj, guys, stop procrastinating and go to hajj this year. Enough. Enough delaying. Okay? You never know when your end will come. Just go this year. Sign up. Bacher. Tesla. Book. Call your secretary, whatever. Book it. Go with your wife. Okay? So, the minor qiyamah. The moment of death. So, the ruh is reaching balagat al-taraqi. And it will be said, waqila man raq. And it will be said, who is there to help me? Who is there to, you know, Help me survive. Who is there to heal me? This is the moment of death. I become tzchaylun like a patient on the on the on the hospital bed. All his family is around him, and you're seeing his ruh kind of like exiting his body. You know he's dying. What's the natural reaction from the family members? Come. Doctor, doctor, come, come, try something. Sah? Man raq. Is there anyone there, guys? Doctor, nurse, help, save him. Bring those electric things. Right? Men raq. Is there anyone out there? Raq comes from ruqya. Ruqya means healing. Right? Ruqya comes from healing. Ruqya shar'iyya yisamunha. You know, when you we use Quran to heal. Is there anyone there to save this guy? Waqila men raq. And by the way, the Prophet has even taught us how, how to pronounce this ayah. It's not waqila men raq. It's actually waqila man 
Raq. There is a slight pause in it. It's very unique about this ayah. Why is there a pause? There's different interpretation of this. One of them is the guy is choking. So imagine him saying, Man, Raq. It's not coming out because it's the moment of death. And also, this is a, you know, when someone's scared, what do we do between in our sentence? Waqila man, go. Raq. Right? That gulp of fear. Not, you're not able to finish the sentence. Waqila man, raq. The fear of accountability for this person. Okay, that's the gulp of fear. And then Allah says, Here, dhan doesn't mean maybe. Dhan means for certainty. He is for sure convinced that this is the time of separation. Separation from what? Number one, the ruh is separating from the body. Right? We all know this. That the ruh, does the ruh die after death, by the way? No. And by the way, who are you? Are you your body or are you something else? Who are you? Have you ever thought about it? Who are you? Are you your possessions? Are you your body? Are you your accomplishments? Are you your assets? Who are you? You are the ruh. And so is it really that big of a deal, death, for the believer? Because the ruh is going to go and, and party in the next life, inshallah, in the grave and in the akhirah. This is just a transition for the believer. It's completely adi tara. This transition. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. That's what we, we say when someone dies, right? Relax. We belong to Allah and we're just going back to Him. It's okay. Why are you being so depressed? Why are you being so sad? This is also the day of separation from all your assets. From your cars, from your house, from your bank account, from your clothes, from your Gucci handbags, from your Armani suits. It's a day of separation from all the material things that you were running after in this world. By the way, side note, is it haram to live a luxurious life? No. haram. And if Allah has blessed you, this can be a means of you to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these blessings. Okay? But this is bil'aq. And if you thank Allah with these blessings, guess what? in shakartum, Allah will give you even more. And there's countless people around the Prophet including the Prophet who were extremely wealthy. You enjoy luxury and... As long as this luxury is not in your heart, it's in your pocket. Because if the luxury is in your heart and it's taken away from you, what's going to happen to you? Heart attack. But if it's in your pocket and it's taken away from you, it doesn't make a difference to you. Because real richness and wealth, al-ghina, is not in your bank account. Real ghina is in your heart. Okay? This is also the moment of separation from your family. Wow, what a day, huh? From the children that you spent years and years upbringing, from your spouses, from your parents, from your friends. Firaq from Facebook. 
Firaq from the WhatsApp groups. Firaq from Instagram. Firaq from the television shows that you've been watching. It's a day of separation. Yeah. No widescreen TV in the grave. But for the believers, it's going to be pretty, pretty nice, inshallah. But this is the moment of death. And Allah, by the way, let me explain to you what happens to the ruh of the believer when it comes out. The Prophet ﷺ said that the ruh of the believer will come out so smoothly, just like water flows beautifully and smoothly out of a jug into a glass. That's how smooth and easy and nice it's going to be. You won't feel nothing. As for the disbeliever, the Prophet ﷺ described to us that the feeling of, and, and there's a surah called Surah Al-Nazi'at, which refers to this act of pulling out the soul, you know, in a very vicious manner. The Prophet ﷺ described it, it's, imagine there's a, a piece of cotton wool that's stuck between thorns, and you're pulling this cotton out of those thorns. What's going to happen? It's going to be snatched and ripped apart, and it's going to fall into different pieces. Right? That's the scene for the soul of the disbeliever. The one who rejected, the one who denied. On that moment, Allah is describing this beautiful uh, scene here of the leg. As-saq is the leg. Okay? So one, one uh, scenery here being depicted is the scenery of the dead body being put into the grave. Because okay, you guys know that the dead body, when it's put into the grave, we, usually the sunnah is to put it sideways on your right side, facing the qibla. The face has to face the qibla. So what happens when you turn a dead body sideways? The leg will twist around the other. And the Arabs used to use this idiom. This is called, in the English language, idioms are used usually for... Um, you know, the camels when the camel would be camels are the ships of the desert صح? they can survive a long 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 time but for a camel that can no longer take it it's ran out of water it's ran out of nutrition the moment where it falls down that's called for the camel and it's also here describing the suffering of the disbeliever you know when you're in pain in bed and you're rubbing your legs together? You're just twisting and turning and just feeling irritated and something bothering you. That's the scene here. That's the scene of the ruh coming out and your legs you know, twisting around one another and rubbing out of pain. Okay? It has multiple meanings, this word. إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَ To your master again is the final return. Okay? Al-masaq is being driven to from siyaqa. You know, siyaqa means to drive. إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَ al-masaq. You will return to your master. And, then Allah, and by the way, the return, again, like we said, for some will be a great time. صح? It will be the meeting of your celebration and, and being rewarded and honored. And for others, this will be a moment of fear, a moment of regret and guilt and blame. And then Allah says, now it's the commentary of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the final commentary on this person, the disbeliever. He didn't believe 
and he didn't pray. SubhanAllah, Allah here is, is linking belief to prayer. If you're not praying, that means you do not believe, guys. This is the sad reality. And I have to be blunt with this. If you are not praying, that means you're not believing. Nina, why, why are we supposed to pray? What is the minimum we can do for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all the blessings He's given us? What is He asking from us? Five minutes of prayer every day. Right? Or five times five, whatever, 25 minutes of prayer every day. And this is what? To give thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To show Him appreciation and to show Him gratitude for all the favors He's given us. Alhamdulillah. Killing here today, we are inshallah يعني, probably living lives that kings would live صح, compared to others in the world. There's so many people in the world today who are living on a dollar a day. We, are, we have been fortunate to live very, very, very comfortable lives. The least we can do is show gratitude by praying. فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى صَدَّقَ what? صَدَّقَ the unseen For us, for us it's very easy to believe the seen And Quraysh, the disbelievers of Mecca, they used to use this argument Don't show us Quran, don't talk to us about Allah, show us a sign Show us Jibreel coming down from the heavens You know, but the Rasul said, no, for you the Quran is enough You know why? Listen to this carefully What happened to the nations of the past? What were their prophets given? Seen signs, correct or no? And when the prophets showed them seen signs, did they believe or no? And what came after that? Adab, punishment. This is Qanun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I show you a seen sign and you still disbelieve, then you deserve the punishment of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was an exception to this. He did not want his people to be punished and therefore he never showed them a seen sign. The only sign he would show them is the Qur'an. And our deen is ultimately a, a, a religion of belief in the unseen. Allah is unseen. The afterlife is unseen. Paradise is unseen. Angels are unseen. We haven't seen any of this. And we are required to have this blind faith. Yes? There were minor miracles. Sah. There were minor miracles, but not everybody saw that. Yani. Uh, again, not, this was not seen. It happened at night. Many people did not witness it. So it wasn't a major miracle. There were some minor miracles. But the idea here is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, right at the beginning, He, he describes Al-Muttaqeen. Who are they? Number one, Al-Ladheena yu'minuna bil-ghayb. Ba'deen, wa yuqeemuna as-salah. Ba'deen, wa mimma razaqnahum yunfiqoon. So number one, belief in ghayb, believe in the unseen. This is what makes you a believer. And what makes someone not pray, guys? Ultimately, what is it? Then a prayer is about humbling yourself. It's about humility, it's an act of humility. For you to lower your, your mind and your ego to the ultimate authority. صح? And then to go down in sujood, the most precious part of your face, your body, you are putting it on the floor to show ultimate humility to your master. And so Allah is saying, فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى 
And for, for those of you who are promising to pray one day, don't wait for that time to be over. You know? Pray before it is prayed upon you. Salli qabla an yusalla alayk. Because whether you like it or not, when you die, people are going to pray on you. فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى What's the opposite of فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى وَلَكِنْ كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى He denied and tawalla. When it was time for prayer, when it was Adhan time, and you were reminded that you have to pray, tawalla. You went to the shisha place. You went to watch the UFC championships. You went to watch, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Tawalla. When it was time to pray, you had other priorities. Remember? بِمَا قَدَّمَ وَأَخَّرَ What were your priorities? Was salah a priority in your life or no? Was this connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a priority for you? Or you wanted to be connected online, on social media, on games and PlayStation and you know, Angry Birds? What was a priority for you? And tawalla here means Salah is the right track Wrong way is Tawalla For you Salah is not a priority By the way, small point on Salah Okay, small tangent Why do we have to pray? Or why does Allah want us to pray? Who is going to be the ultimate beneficiary of Salah? Us Okay, we are not adding any value to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by praying He doesn't need us to pray Allah has gifted us prayer because it has benefit for us. Prayer is benefit for us. You need that time off from your busy life. You need that time for meditation, for focus, for being present, for emptying your mind. This is healthy for you. You're not doing anybody a favor but yourself with salah. And through salah, you get refocused on your priorities. You reconnect. Remember that being unplugged versus plugged? You're replugging in salah. You're recharging yourself. It's like that fueling station. Okay? Petrol prices have risen. But the idea is, why do we go to the petrol station? Why? To refuel. So that you can keep working, so you can keep driving. So is praying the goal? Or is it a means to a higher goal? Prayer, listen to this carefully, prayer is not the goal, guys. Prayer is a means to a higher goal. What's the higher goal, Al-Hain? Salah is supposed to prevent you from doing all sorts of messed up stuff. Salah is supposed to, in other words, make you a better person. Salah is supposed to make you more peaceful, more loving, someone with better manners, someone who is more forgiving. Salah is supposed to make you someone who cares about others. Salah is supposed to make you more merciful. Salah is supposed to make you more kind. Salah is supposed to make you live a meaningful life where you try to do good for others, where you try to make this world a better place. That is the objective of the human being. That's why we were created. Allah says, Adam was created to be responsible for this earth, to fix this world's problems. Who's going to fix? Are there many problems in the world today? Who's going to fix them? Are we going to wait for Al-Mahdi to come? Yes? 
or Superman? Superman's not gonna come, guys. We have to fix this. Every single one of us, in whatever capacity you can. And it all starts with what? With yourself. In Allah la ma Start with yourself. Live a peaceful life yourself. Live a happy life yourself. Share this happiness and peace with your family, with your husband and your kids. And if every home did that, what's going to happen to the world? Paradise on earth. You don't have to save the world and aim for big things. Just do these baby things, these baby steps. Don't overburden yourself. It's simple. Start with yourself. Make the right choices. Is it clear, Salah, guys? Salah is the means to a higher goal. By praying, what are you doing? You are helping yourself. You're improving yourself. And by improving yourself, you're helping your family and your kids. Because when you're going to be in, you're going to be peaceful and happy deep down inside. How's your mood going to be with your husband or your wife? Happy. You're going to enjoy it. How, how's your mood going to be with your kids? As if you're miserable and tired and stressed out and angry and not present. Are you going to be enjoying your life? No, there's going to be money in the bank account, but you're not going to be happy. Because you're not present. You're here, but you want to be there. You know? They say the stress, the number one cause of stress is being here, but wanting to be there. You're standing in salah, but... You want to be at the football match. Right? You're in the steps, but you want to be at the party. You're in the masjid, but you want to go to the shisha place. Okay? And then Allah says, This guy who's not praying, who's denying, he goes arrogantly, walks arrogantly. Tamatta means walking like this. Showing off. Arrogance. ثُمَّ ذَهَبَ إِلَىٰ You know, being arrogant means raising your neck up, whereas the slave of Allah, he bows down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? And by the way, يوم Qiyamah on the Day of Judgment, when all of us are standing, Allah will command everybody to do ruku'. Okay? And all the people who used to pray will be able to do ruku'. Except for those who didn't pray, what's going to happen to their backbones? Stiffens. They're going to want to go down. Everybody's going down. They're looking right. Oops. It's not working. Too late. That will be the ultimate shame and embarrassment and regret. Guys, at the end of the day, it's an ego issue. It's an arrogance issue. There is no place for arrogance in your hearts if you want to be of the believers. The Prophet ﷺ says in a very, very heavy hadith, he says, لا يدخل الجنة من كان في قلبه مثقال ذرة من كبر He will not enter Jannah whoever has even an atom's weight. An atom's weight of arrogance, guys. But we need to know our place. And Allah is going to put us in our place now. Allah is cursing us four times here. We deserve this punishment four times, He's saying. 
Why four times? One, at the moment of death. Number two, in the grave. Number three, resurrection. And number four, in the hellfire. This is for the peop people who weren't praying. Because when you don't pray, guys, you're disconnected. Your ruh is no longer alive. You will have no purpose in life. Then Allah says beautifully, أَيَحْسَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَيُتْرَكَ سُدَى Hang in there, we're finishing soon. أَيَحْسَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَيُتْرَكَ سُدَى does the human being think, again, the forgetful human being, does he think that we left him alone with no purpose? Does he think that, does he think that we left him alone with no accountability? He can do whatever he wants. No rules, no responsibility, no purpose. Did he forget where he came from? Weren't you a small, filthy drop of Fluid? Literally, that's what Allah is saying. Allah is putting us in our place. This human being who was arrogant, who didn't deny to pray, Allah is reminding him of who he was. This is, who, this is your origin. And then Allah says, Then you were a latch in your mother's womb. And then he created you and perfected your, your body. Sawa means completely balanced your body. Our bodies, in, Allah says, you know, look inside yourself. There's signs of Allah in us, of how perfect our bodies are, and you know how this heart is pumping. Just put your hearts on your, put your hands on your heart. What's who has designed this system where this heart is pumping nonstop? Even while we sleep, with no batteries, no charge, no solar power, nothing. And the digestive system, and the nervous system, and your brain. And, and then Allah says, And He made from this human being, male and female, the pairs. For those people who believe in duality, and by the way, the Quran does confirm this concept of karma. Okay? Where when you do good, good things happen to you. When you do bad, bad things happen to you in this world. Okay? It confirms this. But Allah here is also drawing an attention. Why does he mention pairs at the end of the surah? It's so beautiful. Just like there are pairs of human beings, male and female, there's pair in Allah's creation. There's pairs in Allah's creation. The pair of the sun and the moon. The sun rises and sets and then the moon comes out. There's pairs of the night and the day. Does, can anyone deny this, these pairs? Can anyone deny the pair of male and female? Can anyone deny the pair of the night and the day? Can anyone deny the prayer of the sun and the moon, guys? Allah is saying, if you accept these pairs, why don't you accept the ultimate pair? The pair of dunya and akhirah. So Allah gives us the final question Isn't the one who created you Isn't he able to bring you back to life After you were dead And the, question, and the answer that we should respond with is Indeed, bala, I bear witness Bala, ashhad. And so it's as if Allah is ending this in beautiful surah with a question after all the arguments I gave to you after all these examples I gave you 
Is it enough for you to believe now? Are you going to submit now? Or are you going to still deny? Are you going to still be in your fujur? Are you going to still deny prayer? Are you going to still have messed up priorities? Or are you going to, or is this going to be your Yawm Al-Qiyamah today? Is this going to be your moment of waking up? Is this going to be your moment of realization of who you really are and what your purpose is? And why you were created and where you're heading? So with that, we conclude this beautiful surah. Thank you so much for your time. I'm three minutes late and I'm really hungry. <laughs> uh, thank you for your patience. <laughs>